Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halfway through the uh, the work week. Hope you're all getting through, taking care of yourselves. Prioritizing self-care, pleasure, and rest. That's how we build up the resilience and the foundation upon which to deal with everything that's going on. Oh boy, we are talking in yesterday's show about a high percentage of uh, doctors thinking that this COVID's going till next June 2021. I know it kind of took the breath out of me. So buckle down. We got to do what we got to do so that we can weather this. But remember, we got it, you know, in our hands, some of the control based on what we do socially. Uh, someone locally, a YouTube celebrity was hosting big, gigantic parties. And our mayor, Garcetti, he had the utilities shut off for that home. Look, a lot of people were upset about that, but um, and I'm not about heavy government control and regulation. However, the impact of the hundreds of people at that party and they're possibly going to various places and spreading and spreading, perpetuating COVID, look, it's a public health issue. Large gatherings are literal public health issues, so remember that. Also, register to vote, y'all. We got, you know, we're clock is ticking down. So please, please, maybe you're going to plan on waiting in line. You're going to bring your mask and your your lunch because you're going to ride it all the way out. Others, get your mail-in ballots immediately. Get them, get them, get them. Register to vote. Ask everyone around you if they've registered to vote, if they've gotten their mail-in ballot, and then go drop them off at the polling place or do some Googling and find the supervisor. Get them, get them out there in that way. Good stuff though, Hallmark Channel. You know, there's a lot of news swirling around Hallmark. <laughs> They're always up to something. Them and a One Million Moms, that hateful, hateful group. Hallmark Channel featured its, featured its first same-sex wedding in a new movie. Two brides tie the knot in wedding every weekend. Aired less than a year after the network faced backlash for pulling LGBTQ inclusive ads. It's wild. This is part of the work. We want, you know, boys to be given books about girls. We want girls to watch shows about boys. We want white kids to watch movies, read books about people of color. We want able-bodied kids to be reading and hearing about disabled characters. Why? It's not just about the people themselves seeing themselves represented and included. It's also about other people learning how to acknowledge and counter and have the languaging to talk about these differences. Look, genders aren't opposites. We socialize it that way. There's a lot of things similar. There's a lot of things that are more different between women than between women and men. We socialize them different. That's why they feel different. We have to start socializing everyone together, inclusive. 
gender, race, sexual orientation, so that there is an ability to encounter, see the, see the similarities, um, tolerate the differences, learning from each other, right? That's what the work is about. So Hallmark though, I'm telling you, <laughs> they, are, they are pushing boundaries, I'm here for it. Also in the news, New York teachers. The New York Teachers Union has threatened that they will do a sick out if students and staff aren't tested before reopening. That's legit. Think about that. School day is a long day. You encounter a lot of different people, a lot of different surfaces. Surfaces as in, you know, like touching things. And the idea that they should all be tested is not a bad idea. In fact, it should be mandatory. I can't imagine reasoning against that. If we can get access and funding for those tests, it's about safety. Just one student dying is too much. And, you know, we're all hearing in the news that there's a lot of clusters that have happened on college campuses and elementary school and high schools. And they're having to shut down and go back online. It's it's not working. Why? Because stuff isn't over. Also, in the news, animal news. I love gay animals. Adorable lesbian penguin couple welcome their first baby chick. Why does that matter? Well, because it reminds us of the normalization of homosexuality. Some people say things like it's not natural. Yeah, yeah, it is. The animal kingdom is gay as hell. And they co-parent and they single parent. And uh, these lesbian penguins raising a child together. That's natural. That's nature. That's not something that got, went wrong in nature. Nature is diverse. It's us humans that always want to do conformity and uniformity. I'm all about that. Also, still so much work to do in terms of black representation and getting rid of racism. A study shows that black women with natural hair are less likely to get a job interview. A lot of studies have sh uh, sadly shown, right, that heavily ethnic names often don't get called back for job interviews and on resumes. And the natural hair thing, which is still a battle in some schools, which will not allow natural hairstyles for people that are black or of color, which is racism at its finest. Also tied to respectability politics, which says that you have to look a certain way to get worth and value and respect. It's like someone's hair is what grows out of their head in the way it does. And we shouldn't be just making everyone fit into Western European beauty standards, which usually means straightening your hair in order to be treated as valuable. Look, school's about education, so let's educate people on normalizing and tolerating diversity and celebrating it. How can you claim to be an institution that centers it on education, but then actually promotes nothing but assimilation and conformity when what we need to do is learn how to tolerate and be a part of the world we actually live in as it is? So like, do better, do way better. Stuff bums me out. All right, coming up next. Talking about creative relational styles, right? Designer relationships. What about a gay man being married to a straight woman? It's not as uncommon as you think. We're going to be talking about it. Question of the night. Also up on our Loveline IG page and stories. So still time to wait on that. Breaking that on down later in the show. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck. And also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night up on our Loveline IG page. Also, DMs, always open. Drop on in there. 
And just a little plug, my show, I'm Listening Live, that's every Thursday night. Celebrities and experts talking about the intersections of mental health and COVID, and that's on all the radio.com handles, Twitter, uh, what is it, Facebook, and YouTube. Also, all the old episodes back there, and uh, Loveline. Go to wearechannelq.com, check out all Loveline episodes. So let's talk about designer relationships. I love this stuff. Why? Because it's honest. Different people need different things, and at different times in our lives, we grif- we, we, we uh, grow, we shift, we change, always. And who we are now is not who we're going to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years, and our needs might change. And so it's all about just being honest with what we're looking for. And I'm glad that I'm alive in a time when people aren't feeling confined and limited. Look, decades ago, people got married and that was it. Maybe in monogamous, that was it, or they cheated. Now we understand more open styles. You can have an open relationship and be healthy. You can be polyamory and have multiple ongoing committed relationships and be healthy. These things have high success rates, far higher than their traditional hetero married monogamous couple. They have the highest rate of cheating and divorce. It's not working. Uh, Not that that style doesn't work. It's often also the way they're running it because they run it very phobic and threatened by other people and other things. And it just sucks the life out of everything and the fun, which is the whole point of a relationship is to enhance your life, not to make it more complicated and problematic. You don't need to be in it. So it breaks my heart when I see people saying things like, oh, golf saved my marriage because my husband's never home. Oh my God. You sound like a horrible person to be married to. Your marriage sounds horrible to be in. Work on it or get out. Like, where's the self-esteem? Want more for yourself. You don't need to be married. Um, Also, I remember uh, someone complaining about their partner decades in, still wanting to have sex with them and touch them. Yes, take the compliment. They're attracted to you. They still want to have a sex life with you. Because remember, y'all, you can be monogamous, but you can't demand celibacy. You can't say to someone, you're only going to have sex with me, and then I'm not going to have sex with you. I advocate for the other partner to say, yeah, I'm an adult. I decide what I do. I committed to monogamy prior. It's not working for me now because sex is something that's important to me and we need to renegotiate this. Otherwise, I need to exit open or talk about something else. So be kind to each other. Getting married to someone or being in a committed relationship or monogamous isn't about enacting violence on your partner by thinking you own them or control them. You don't. You can't. And it's to adults. Now, designer relationships is about us learning all sorts of creative things, such as what about a gay man married to a straight woman? Now, we traditionally see that coming out of religious backgrounds because people believe that being gay is wrong or gay marriage is wrong or they want to fit in. Whatever the different reasoning is, it exists. Those marriages are most likely going to be the ones that have a high level of maybe trust and emotional commitment, but a low level of sexual satisfaction. Bums me out because you can have a healthy relationship without sexuality. Some people are lower sexual or even on the asexual spectrum and they get their needs met intimacy-wise on all the other levels, emotionally, socially, intellectually, and they might be open to levels of affection. But for someone that's not asexual, that might not work for them so much. Thank God for solo sexuality and pornography because that's a way for some people to still have a sex life or as partners as they can get by watching pornography and psychologically participating in sex with the people that they're you know watching on film. So I'm glad they have that. But yes, some gay men or gay women might be married to a straight partner. And again, that's because they maybe fell in love or got together before one of them realized they were gay or maybe they skew more pansexual or bisexual or they had issues with being gay. And so is it a psychological issue or defense? Really depends on the case. I've worked with some people where them staying in the marriage wasn't in their best interest, whether it was the straight partner or the gay partner in that marriage, they weren't getting all their needs met. Other relationships, they were. I've worked with some people that initially, it was just a starting point and they finally came out and they wanted to have same-sexed sexuality. But as we know from pansexuals and bisexuals, you know, we can still be committed to one person. 
Because even people that aren't bi or pan or gay and they're hetero and they're in a hetero relationship, they're still attracted to other shapes, sizes, and bodies and races and gender expressions. And so commitment is about just being able to commit. It doesn't, it's not tied to someone's sexual orientation. Um, but I love stories like that because it really reminds us that people get to decide the kind of relationship they want to have. And that's the landing point. Um, might not make sense to everyone else, but it makes sense to them. And that comes up with non-monogamy couples and polyamorous couples. How can you do that? How can you be like that? Well, we're seeing tons of family units. And there's a lot of positive attributes that come from the gay identity. You know, gay couples have, when they raise children, we, they have higher rates of empathy, better communication styles, higher levels of acceptance and tolerance of difference and diversity. Those are assets and those are strengths. And so I love the idea of blended families. And we're also gonna hear more of community parenting where it's not just a man and a wife or two guys or two girls, it's numbers, friends plus a couple. I know a couple individuals where they're a couple and they used a friend for sperm or an egg and they all kind of parent together. The child has more love because remember, Children don't need a, a husband, I'm sorry, children don't need a mother and a father. They just need caregivers. The genders don't matter, the numbers don't matter. They just need to feel safe and validated and cared for. They don't need a father figure or the mother figure. We socialize people to think that we need these gendered roles, but remember, all fathers are different. All fathers don't provide the same thing. Some fathers provide nothing but violence and toxicity. Others, it's love, care, and support. So the mere presence of someone with a penis and the mere presence of someone also with a vagina doesn't promise anything. That doesn't indicate that mental health will be met. That doesn't mean that they're good for the parent or for the child. And so we have to step outside of these ideas that it's these gendered notions because our gender promises nothing. And what we all need to do is just feel cared for and validated, right? So I love these styles. We'll be talking more about them. Uh, coming up next, though, we're going to talk about kink pride. What does that mean? Well, we're all kinkier than we realize. And with pride season still among us, which a lot of people have forgotten because people are used to being aware of pride because of the parties and the events and all of that and the parades and that stuff ain't happening. It's still pride year, pride month. We're in that time right now. And so the kinksters are wanting more visibility and recognition and inclusion. Look, that has a positive impact on all of us. We'll talk about that when we come back. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going we're gonna to get kinky. It's funny. So a lot of research out there and some of the porn search engines will give us research and data on what are the key terms that are most you know, utilized, what is the kind of themes and topics that are most sought out. And never, ever, ever, ever is it the vanilla stuff. And these search engines have a lot of data because they are accessing information from around the world. So we're talking millions upon millions of users every day that they're collecting data from. That is massive because most people, especially male identified people, use porn. And so it's a beautiful access. Women love porn, use porn too. Women also love sex. Women are not non-porn users. Women are not only receivers or passive sexually. Nope, they can be hypersexual and aggressive. Um, and the, the key search terms aren't vanilla basic ones, right? We've said this. It's not, you know, husband and wife, married and in love, having sex in their bed on Sunday after showering in missionary smiling. That is not a key search term that's ever used. It's always kinky stuff. The bulk of us are kinky. Why? Well, creative diversity is what is exciting to us. Novelty and newness is what is most sexually arousing. Again, we don't eat the same meals, watch the same films, have the same conversations. It gets boring. Sex tends to be that way too. So kinkiness is a huge aspect of who we are. For the LGBTQIA community, 
kink is and different sexuality has been the norm and the standard. What I mean by that is when a community is exploited or marginalized, like the LGBTQIA community, they develop their own norms and standards. And right now, a lot of people are pushing back on homonormativity, which is the idea that gays are just like and should act like straights. And the gay world is saying, we are our own population and community. We have our own norms and rituals. We don't want to blend in and become straight people. Y'all aren't doing it better or right. Let, we want to continue to do it our way. We want to be seen as valid and equal, but like we are different and we have our own standards, which is what's coming from the indigenous populations and the black populations and other people of color. They're saying, look, we don't want to get colonized. We want to go back to our roots, to our languaging, our terms, our hairstyles, our customs, our fashions, our food, our cuisine, our art. I love that white cis hetero shouldn't be the standard that we're all trying to climb towards. It's about going backwards to our truth and authenticity. Gay people use sexuality as a way to socialize, to make friends, to have all different kinds of creative ways of being. It's not the same standard straight idea of, oh, you're friends or you're having sex. And if you're having sex or dating, it's working towards relationship. No, sometimes it's for fun, sometimes it's for entertainment. And these need to be honored and valued. And some people's identity is tied to their kink. They're into pop play right? Or they're into the leather community. And that's where they've built their friends and their family. And they and they wear the clothing and they use the terminology and they use the labels. And that's an important part of their self-esteem and their self-worth, right? That's how they access the world. That's where their growth and transformation comes from. Sex for a lot of people is where they do their self-care. It's how they transform themselves. It's how they work on self-esteem. You can do it via your career, via your gym body. We're comfortable with all that. Your identity being tied to being a lawyer or your, your abs that you flaunt in our face and in every post as soon as you can. Well, for some people, for them, that's their sexuality. And they want to lead with that, talk about that, and express that. And that's just as valid as you wanting to post nonstop pictures about you being a mother and your baby and a little photo saying three years old today. Awesome, do your thing. But for some people, that's that part of them is their sex. We also have terms like sex geeks, which are people that are into sex and sexuality and human sexuality, and they read the books, and, and they're in it. It's a hobby for them. It's a pastime. I love that. They read these books. They start these blogs. It's awesome stuff. But point of all this is they want inclusion in the LGBTQIA parade and maybe even in that long acronym. They're saying this is an important part of who I am and that should be brought in. But there's other gay people, often people from the older generations that are trying to water down sex because they're saying it makes us a target. It makes us less um, desirable. It makes us you know less appropriate. And these people like myself who are sex positive are saying, we're not going to follow the rules of white cis hetero culture so they'll accept us in. F that. We aren't part of that. We don't want to be part of that. We don't need to be part of that. This is who we are. This is what we do. And we want respect and validation because we are inherently worthy of that as people. And we want to see that represented. It's not just about being of color and this different sexual orientation or gender expression. What we are aroused by and turned on by sexually for some people is their identity, is where their self-worth is clued in, is their chosen family, is their social identity and how they socialize. And you'll see that at some of these specific bars. I love it. I'm glad that everyone can find a place where they can connect and where they can find what makes sense to them. I've done that in the world through my sex therapy, being a sex therapist and a sexual health and rights activist and a reproductive, reproductive justice activist and my feminism. That's given me my entry point into the world, my self-esteem. It's my work, it's my career, it's my livelihood. All of it's tied in there. So kink is something I want people to be more proud of, more able to talk about because in doing so, it'll normalize it. Everyone will realize we all are. 
and people start to challenge themselves to tap in and explore because people that are listening saying, now I'm really vanilla and basic. I don't believe that. I think that you are trapped in your gender norms, how you feel about your body, how, because you think what it means to be a mother or a wife or a professor, or we're afraid of being called a sex addict or a slut, all these different forces trap us and keep us away from our truth. And the more we see others living theirs, the more we can realize that might be us or it inspires and motivates us to live our truth. It's beautiful, important work, and we need more of it. Coming up next, we're going to slide into those DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. My name is Jessica, and I've been with my girlfriend for about two years. We were living together before the pandemic, but for some reasons, quarantine's been hard on our relationship. We fight every day or every other day. I know it's stress, and we're taking out on each other. Is there anything we can do to try to get over this? I love that my answer for most of this, for most of this is two things. Number one, actually, it's three things. Number one, let stuff go. A lot of the things I hear people fighting about are just born out of them being bored, antsy, frustrated, or irritable, and they're just nitpicking. So when in doubt, let it go. Honestly, let it go. You don't want your relationship to fall apart because someone leaves dishes in the sink. If you've asked them and they won't do it, just go handle it. That's one of those beautiful things I learned in my own life. If I want the dishes always in the, in the dishwasher, not in the sink, I go put them there. But also the person on the receiving end. If it's something that's that big of a deal to your partner, do it as an act of love for them. It's okay to put yourself out for people. That's number one. Let stuff go. Dear God in heaven, let it go. Number two, don't have conversations while in a reactive state. If you are not feeling calm and kind, you don't open your mouth. We are in a pressure cooker and there's nowhere to go. And it escalates. It amplifies. So number one, again, let it go. Number two, don't engage these topics while reactive or worked up. And if your partner is coming at you in that state, you have a right to set a boundary and say, listen, we're going to have to come back to this conversation. You seem very dysregulated and activated, but you have to say it lovingly. You have to help them learn how to self-regulate, right? And number three, take some space every day. Even things are going well, take time away. Go for a walk alone. Go for a drive alone. Go take a bath. Go take a nap, go in the other room and read, build in distance and space. It helps eliminate or at least decrease the pressure, the amplification. It also, it also helps us soothe a little bit. We can then come into our executive functioning, which goes offline when we're activated in our animal brain, which says kill, 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 fight, 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 attack. We then take time away. Our frontal cortex comes back on and says, listen, it's not that deep or you're overreacting, or this is someone we care about. We gotta right size things. Sometimes I'll see the energy someone's putting behind something. When I find out what it is they're talking about, I say, wow, right size that. You're talking to someone you love about, you love in a very harsh, violent way about something very stupid, right? So really, really, really follow those three steps. Uh, we wanna get through this intact with our mental health in place, and we wanna be good for each other, right? So again, time apart, but also build in fun. When's the last time y'all did something fun? We need to have positive associations of each other and of our time together. So make sure you're building in fun. And fun is very simple. It doesn't require a lot of time, energy, or finances. But we need to be building that in, space and fun. But those other three pieces are gonna be what's really gonna help you survive this. Because one of the things the research is looking at is whether or not, here's the deal. We had our level functioning, then COVID happened and it really threw us all off. 
and a lot of us didn't get back on track or didn't necessarily thrive. Well, it's extending itself, maybe even a new wave. That's going to be occurring on an already possibly flimsy, fragile, or damaged foundation. So you need to build that back up to tolerate what's ahead of us. And that often can't be done while in that pressure cooker. So take time apart or time away and let that stuff go. I'm telling you, I'm watching some relationships get ruined over really stupid stuff. And I say that lovingly. I know it seems meaningful in the moment, but I know that some people are just trying to pick fights, find an outlet for their frustration. Um, Or maybe you are realizing living together during this time isn't working. And in the best interest of our relationship during this difficult time, we shouldn't live together. It's okay to realize not every couple that wants to be together can pull off living together. We have to be willing to accept that. The, the dream can't always be, and then we live together. Some people will do best never living together, or at least not right now. So be open to that possibility. But what's more important, living according to this made-up dream that you've, inter- that you've you know, inherited or literally doing what the relationship requires? And that's mental health and being an adult is what do we need? It doesn't matter what the world says or what the world's expecting. What do we need? And maybe we need time apart or time away. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, we got Ryan Sheldon back, our body neutrality expert, also part of NIDA National Eating Disorders Association. We'll be talking about you know, how our body and our body positivity and our body steam is all impacted and intersects with these difficult, difficult times. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're with a body neutrality activist, Ryan Sheldon. What's going on, Ryan? Not much, Dr. Chris. How are you? Good. Where have you been, my man? I have been been all over the place. I was in Florida for a little bit, visiting my mom, and I just got back to L.A. last week. Oh, beautiful. Um, how's, your, uh, how's your mental health doing through all this? Huh. Uh, well, you know, the real reason I went to Florida was because I was struggling with my mental health. Okay. Um, and I went, and I, it was so – it was the best thing I ever did, getting out of, like, my comfort zone, you could say. Getting out of L.A. was great for me. I'm proud of you. You know, some people struggle to take the big, bold moves that they need to take to take care of themselves. But without our mental health, we have nothing. And as we've talked about, people are so keen on, you know, supporting or understanding physical health, but mental health is often just under acknowledged. A hundred percent. And I, it's like, this is the first time I feel like that I was like, you know, I was telling my mom I was struggling and she's like, okay, okay. And I said, no, mom, I don't think you understand. I'm struggling right now. Like I really like laid down the fact that I was like, having a really hard time. And it was, I'm so grateful that I did that. Cause I think that sometimes, you know, people, you know, she's hard on me. Like a lot of parents are hard on their children, but as soon as I told her and like re- reassured her that I was really struggling or reassured is probably not the right word. But, um, as soon as I confirmed it, she finally became uh, nicer to me. Yeah. I think it's difficult, right? Because for your mom to have to accept that you're struggling is for her to have to worry about you and to feel yeah. things and be vulnerable. And we want everything just neatly packaged and handled and just, and you know, to suspend reality and to just believe all as well. So what, yeah. what, what did you think you wound up doing in Florida that was so helpful other than just getting out of your environment? Well, yeah, a couple of things. I think it was great that I was with my mom, first of all. Um, and I think I was so vulnerably honest with her, so vulnerable with her that she finally was like listening. She didn't, she wasn't like telling me her opinions. She just was listening. And that was so huge for me. Um, I think also like, I mean, I have a small apartment in Los Angeles. So I think being at a place that, um, had a lot more room 
was awesome. And I did something every day. I went every day that it wasn't raining. I went to the pool and I like took off mm. my shirt and I was just like, and I like laid there and I was like, gosh, like this feels so f- good to just like be free in my body and not have to have, you know, people stare at me. Like I just, I, that, I put that aside for the first time, I think really in a really long time. And speak to that for a second. What do you mean when you say people not stare at me? It felt good to have not people stare at me. Because there wasn't a lot of people around. Like, there was nobody really there. Um, so that's pretty much what I mean by that. But I think also it was just – and so it first started off where there was no one by the pool. And then, like, a couple weeks in, there was, like, another person. And I got into the habit of taking my shirt off that I didn't care. It became, like, a muscle memory kind of. Yeah, because you would say traditionally – um, or at least right now or at different times, the the confidence in being shirtless in public uh, raises and falls. Oh, 100%. I mean, when I was eight years old, I would wear shirts to the swimming in like when I would swim. Um, so it's really interesting to think back to that time of like me not liking my body at the age of eight. Uh, but now it's also there's also a thing. It's like I don't live in Florida, so I don't have to see these people ever again. There was something comforting to that as well. And I think in L.A., like, you know, like being in the gay community there, I I it's interesting. I feel like if I, you know, was at a pool party with a bunch of gay guys, I would never take off my shirt versus at a pool with a bunch of like old people or like, or straight people, I would take off my shirt. Yeah. I think, I think that's a fair statement though. Right. Because it's, you know, it's about how we feel about ourselves, but then it's also the recognition about what you have to encounter. And so while some would say, you know, the work is about not caring what other people think, perhaps, but you also have to check in on, are you in the right state of mind to deal with any looks, jokes, or commentaries? And I mean that for all of us, anyone who's differently abled or gender expression or expresses, you know, their gay identity, like you have to also be in the mood to tolerate. I know if I'm with a same sex partner out in the world and I maybe want to show affection or hold their hand. Yeah. It's not just about how confident I am. I have to look around and say, how safe do I feel? And am I in the mood to deal with someone throwing a bottle at my head? A hundred percent agreed. And, and I think another thing that kind of helped me and I posted about it on Instagram today was I was having a conversation with my therapist and it was about, um, I ended up on the BBC when I first got to, uh, when I first got to Florida for body image. And that was awesome. Yeah, I, I had a conversation I with my... You say that. You're like, I was on the BBC. No, <laughs> just what I it, do. It was, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. I, and, uh, and my therapist and I had a session after and she asked me, she's like, Ryan, you make, you, you make everything about your body. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you put like all of your worth into your body. Like, and you, you do realize that your body is only like a small portion of your worth. Like it really isn't anything to do with it. It's so tiny in the bigger picture. And I just like sat back and I was like, gosh, like I thought about that. And she was so, she's so right about that. Like I, for so many years put emphasis on like my worth was driven through my body. And I talk about this all the time. And I know that, but like it, it, it clicked differently this time. And I can't remember the last time that I felt so free of, of what people thought of my body. So like while before I, when I, before I left for um, Florida, I was like in, I was in a state, I was of like distress. I was not in a good place and I'm back here and I'm like, gosh, I finally feel settled. And I feel like my body is not the priority for me right now. Like my mental health is priority. I want to feel good. Even if that means physically feeling good, like working out, whatever it is, that's fine. But I don't want to put emphasis on my body. Okay. Like I've been doing for such a long time. And then I want you to actually share what you posted because I saw your post on Instagram. And as simple as that one little sentence was, it also had a profound impact on me. So let's take a quick yep. break. Um, 
Question of the night, though, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. Uh, we'll be right back with Ryan Sheldon. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And tonight we're talking with body uh, neutrality activist Ryan Sheldon, whose work is awesome. I mean, you're always hitting it from different angles. And I think your social media is a beautiful resource for people. And before the break, we were talking about, a, you know, a realization that your therapist gave you, which quick note, heads up. I'm doing teletherapy. A lot of people are. Take advantage of that. Make use of that. Um, but you were saying that your therapist said something about how you tend to see your entire life through the lens of your body or your relationship to it. And it's just like center point. And you posted something on your Instagram. What was the post? Yeah. So the post was, and I quote, the moment I realized my body was only a small piece of me is the moment I started to heal. And I love that, right? It's about right sizing. It's about recognizing like we do have a body and it's going to impact us and people might relate to us through it, but it's one small piece of like this larger totality of who we are. Yeah. It's interesting though, because it's like, I, I say that now and I feel very like that quote, like rings true to me, but like, I, I also have to say that I hope I feel this way tomorrow. And I think that that's, what's important with like the work that I do is that like, I'm not perfect. I, this is still a journey for me and it's still a journey for so many other people, but the truth is, is that I think that like I've gone through treatment for my eating disorder. I, you know, I'm an ambassador for Nita. I do all of these things and I still struggle. And for some reason, it's the healing only came when I like a big portion of my healing or like a newfound portion of my healing came after I discovered that with my therapist. But see, but I love but I love thank you for the vulnerability, because I think some people would assume that someone like yourself who's been in treatment, in therapy, is a spokesperson, talks about these things, that it would be resolved. And I think what you're calling out is what we all engage with, which is it depends on the day. It depends on so many factors where there are days where, and weigh in on this, there's days where I feel totally confident in all aspects of my own self, right? There's days where everything feels a little fragile, but bigger than that, the world doesn't give us a freaking break. Every two feet, we're reminded to consider all this. A hundred percent. And I think that like what I was posted on Instagram was that I would take the way that my, the way my day shaped up was the way that I felt about my body. So if I woke up in the morning and I looked in the mirror and I said, I look thin, then I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to be confident. I might meet somebody. I'm going to be great, do a good job at work. But if I woke up feeling fat, then I would, my whole day was ruined. And that was just, it's just so absurd when you think about that, but that's the way that I, I perceive it. And that's the way that so many other people perceive it. And right. I think just knowing that like you're a, you're not alone in that thought process is, is comforting, but also it's, it's not the reality, I think. And that's something that when I left LA, I kind of took myself out of, out of that. Cause I do think LA is a bubble, a bit of a bubble. Well, and I think that's fair to acknowledge, right? Like I don't, I don't like the saying wherever you go, there you are. It's like, yes and no. There are such things as social environments that have different values and norms. And like you said, Florida felt safer. It probably was where you were, right? We're here where we are in LA. It isn't as safe. People are more body focused. There's a higher bar and expectation. You know, being in the gay world, that's another layer. It, that matters. And, and also, you know, not to steer the conversation in a different direction, but I was doing some virtual dates before I left. And I had also done a social distancing date where, where we were like sitting like six feet apart. And um, it, it was hard for me because I started to like when I if I didn't hear back from the guy, I would think it's because of my body, because of my body. And then when I was in Florida and I was coming to terms with, you know, just myself again and recentering myself, I said, wait a second, like, I don't really care, like 
I'm not going to, I'm going to put myself as a priority. And like, it's not about my body. It's not my business, how somebody thinks about me, or it's not my business, how somebody views my body. It's really how I view myself. And like, it just kind of put everything into perspective. Right. And also just the awareness, like the social media posts you made that when someone's encountering you, meeting you, thinking about you on a date with you, your body and how they feel about it is one tiny component of so many other factors that are being addressed and acknowledged and assessed. And if you're on a date with somebody and that is their priority, your body, then they're probably not the kind of person that you want to be with. And I, and I think that that's valid. I, I know when I was um, really partaking in hookup culture and online dating culture, that was kind of my barometer as well. You know, I want compatibility. I want someone who has the same um, integrity or norms or ideals that I have. And so I would assess that powerfully. Like I wanted to know how important that was because I know for me, as I age and I'm at that age where I'm finally having to encounter aging and the aging body and some ageism, I don't want someone who's going to keep me stuck in that as I work to not be trapped in that. I don't want someone who's going to comment, babe, you know, have you been going to the gym? Like, I don't want to live in that world. No, because that's – first of all, I think aging is like a beautiful thing, and maybe I say that because I'm only 32, but I do think it's a beautiful thing, and I think that you're 100% right. It's like when you meet somebody and you have a six-pack, and they define you based on that six-pack, and they love your six-pack. If you lose that six-pack, are they going to still love you? It's like I don't want to be put through those pressures. I want someone to accept me and love me for me. Yes, yes, I agree with you. That's what, the... what you're saying kind of, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah. and that's and that's one of the things that comes up in my clinical practice and even with me on a date where, you know, when someone would perhaps compliment my body, because at that point I might have been going to the gym actively, it felt like an expectation. It felt like them saying, I like that, I want that, please keep that. And in my head, I almost wanted to say to them that this is how I look now. How I'll look in a month or one year, five years, I can't say. It might be more gym bodied. It might be less. Who knows what's going to go on in my life or what my priorities will be. Okay, so here's a question for you. So being in the privileged body that you're in, when, you, when somebody says that to you, you have those thoughts. Yes. So is it fair to say that, like, I know people in larger size bodies often have those thoughts. Would you say that people in privileged size bodies also have those same thoughts that you have? About others or self? About self, about like if they're on a date with somebody and somebody says, oh, I like your body. Do you think that that thought runs through their mind of being like, Ugh. Yeah. I, I don't think most people are introspective enough or self-aware self enough to realize that. But I do think that that unconsciously might be acknowledged. It's so, some part of them might hear, oh, my God, that's right. This body did get me all the dates and the sex I want. So I better keep it because my worth is tied to that. What else do I have to offer? So I think there's a downside in having something reinforced as beautiful because you start to think that that's necessary or mandatory to be seen as beautiful. And yeah, you know, I have a lot of privileges because of the way my body reads to people. And I'm not in any way trying to get empathy because I know that people have it harder. And I know that anyone with any privileged identity or position to try to, you know, whine about the downsides. Um, but I, but I guess my larger point is we are all trapped within body um, the body politics, right? And it just doesn't serve any of us. And it would actually help all of us if we just stepped outside of it and let that go. Yeah, I think that you said it really well. That, yeah, I agree. Bam. Ryan Sheldon, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at realryansheldon. Yeah. Love it. All right, coming up next, we're going to be doing question of the night. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time for question of the night. 
Question of the night is always up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So uh, bust on over there, weigh in on that for tomorrow. But tonight, bump it a bum. Imagine it's summer 2021. The sun is shining, no masks in sight, and the world has gotten rid of the coronavirus. What's the first thing you're doing in a post COVID world? <sighs> Fingers crossed. It's hard. Uh, it's hard for me to even kind of imagine. It's speculative fiction at this point. Anyway, question of the night tonight is: What's the first thing you're doing in a post COVID world? God bless it. First person said, "Finally going on my honeymoon." Oh, I love that. You're going to get a vacation and a honeymoon, and it's going to mean more because it's being delayed. You know what I mean? You're going to celebrate that COVID's resolved, no more lives lost to that. Businesses are opening up and flourishing. People are getting back to work. Relationships are getting the needed breath and breathing room. All's well. Again, question tonight is what's the first thing you're doing in a post-COVID world? Someone said going to a concert. I know. It's not the same watching it from your couch. I know people are talking about drive-in concerts. I'm not mad at that. But I know it's not necessarily the same thing. For me, I want to I want to be busting my moves. Like how most people where I can't handle seats. I like to be on the floor so I can just dance and move around and talk to people. For me, concerts are like an all-encompassing thing. I want all the senses. I want to smell the smoke machine. I want it in my eyes. I want the light effects. I want to hear my favorite songs like coursing through my body. You know what I mean? Moving my body to the beat. Like I'm all in. Sex too. It sounds like I was just talking about sex there. But I think for me, some concerts with bands that I'm in love with can be pretty much like a sex. It's a sexual moment. Question tonight, what's the first thing you're doing in a post-COVID world? Someone said, visiting my parents overseas. Yeah, sending out love to you. That's it's hard being apart. Someone else said, booking a trip. I know, we're all ready to go. We're ready to get in the car, get on the airplane. Where are y'all going though? Um, again, question of the night is, we're imagining it's summer 2021 and the sun's out, no more masks, the coronavirus is handled. And the question is, what's the first thing you're doing in a post-COVID world? Someone said, finally going to see my hookup. COVID, sa COVID safe is great, but kind of sucks. I know, I know. Everyone wants their sex lives back. I know. Everyone wants to be going on their dates, hooking up, exploring sexuality and romanticism and just living life to the fullest. It's a bummer. Trust me, I'm with you in in all of it. I'm following all the precautions. Uh, I'm in a relationship with someone who's in Canada. So it's been difficult for us to see each other, but we've been doing what we can do and maintaining things. And thank God for technology. Tell y'all I've said it before, but I don't know what we do in these moments without technology. Question night. What's the first thing you'd be doing in a post COVID world? Someone said going dancing and using all the points I've racked up to go to Europe. Bam. Where are you going in Europe? I want to go to Berlin. I want to go somewhere cold. I need some cold, uh, but dancing, I get it. I'm telling you it's, it can be a transformative, magical experience, orgasmic. I'm not like a dancer dancer. Like I don't, I'm not the kind of guy that goes to a bar or club and like dances in that way, but concerts, powerful time. Question night. What's the first thing you do in a post COVID world? Someone said traveling for sure. Can't wait for the terrible airplane food again. I know I'm telling you, man, if air travel could step their game up and make it easier and more pleasurable and more comfortable, my God, give us some space, some breathing room. Like you'll make a little less money, but like stop being such capitalist, greedy people. How much money do these CEOs need to make? How many cars y'all think you need to drive and, and houses? Jesus, give us all some breathing room. Question tonight, what's the first thing you're doing in a post-COVID world? Some people are like, I can't even 
I can't even go there. I, I struggle a little bit. This seems so long standing that like my mind struggles to really play this game. But uh, someone said sitting at a restaurant for more than three hours. I mean, it's so funny how for a lot of us, it's the simple things. I want to have sex. I want to go sit at a restaurant. I want to go to a coffee shop. That's what my thing is. I just want to go sit in a crowded coffee shop and read and write and people watch and make new friends. Like I miss all of that. I also miss the gym. I miss throwing around weights and moving my body in a controlled environment with air conditioning and music and just seeing the people I used to always see. For me, some of these things like coffee shops and the gym are community building and it's some of my time out of the home, but yet it's my alone time. The gym's also one of the places where like I do some of my best thinking. I put on my music and I kind of zone out and I do some free association and some active imagination and just really work with and work through some stuff. So I've been kind of noticing the loss of that in my life, you know? It's funny though, the travel also, I kind of do miss going to the movies a little bit to think of it. And I do miss travel. Anyway, question of the night, always up on our Love Line AG page. Weigh in on that. Got a question of the night up already for tomorrow. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you've got a question for me, go into those DMs on our IG page. We're always here for you. And if you want to check out old Love Line episodes, go to wearechannelq.com. And my show, I'm listening live every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on all the radio.com handles, Instagram. No, it's not on Instagram. It's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore it with confidence. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I like this guy. Actually, I'm pretty sure I'm in love with him. But he has a boyfriend. Bum, 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 bum. He's always flirting with me, though, and DMing me. And we're always texting. He says his boyfriend's at work, but I still feel bad. He keeps inviting me over to have dinner with the two of them, but that's actually my worst nightmare and my biggest fantasy. <laughs> oh, I love you. Is there even a nice way to say, break up with him and then we can hook up? <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess that uh, if they're in a relationship and this person hasn't left or suggested that and is inviting you over to dinner with them, I'm going to guess that he's he or she's pretty, I think it's a he, that he is comfortable with his relationship. I don't want, yeah, we're going to, we're going to put some ethics and care into this scenario. Um, go find love, go find love with someone who's available and wanting what you want, you know, uh, because this person's taken and it's possible that they're texting you and inviting you over as them trying to build a friendship with you, which is maybe why they want their partner to meet you. Also, maybe they're setting a boundary with you to make sure you understand what's available, you know? And it sounds like you're trying to push on those boundaries and that's not fair to you, to him or to the partner because you are responsible for the impact you have on the partner directly and indirectly. You're possibly participating in harm to that person and I want it to matter and I want you to care. So it sounds like you want love, I get it. You want sex, I get it. But I wouldn't try to separate their relationship if this person's happy. Um, so it might be possible that you're misinterpreting their connection and communication with you. I've had people do that to me where I thought I was building a friendship, a very close one. They were very confused. I didn't think it needed clarity because I 
just thought we all knew what was available. And at some point I had to say, listen, it seems like you're not aware that this is a very non-romantic relationship and I'm not looking to build that with you. So it's hard to read in your question between those lines, but I would absolutely say you never, it's not healthy to be in a relationship where someone's getting harmed and sounds like you are and possibly you might be trying to kind of harm this partner of this person. And if you can't go to dinner and just be a friend, which is what I'm thinking they're trying to do, then you shouldn't try because then you're misrepresenting yourself. And this person inviting you might think that they're doing it in service of building a friendship and you're trying to actually manipulate and misuse that, right? And so they're not really consenting. So I would back off and back out of that. Get online. There's so many amazing people that are that are wanting partnership and sexuality and romance. This person already has those needs met, it sounds like. And you're going to wind up disappointed and frustrated. Someone's going to get wounded and let down. And you're already saying you're in love. Um, so I would either try to reorient. To, so I would try to reorient, like I said, to to a friend style or I would exit. Sometimes you have to realize that there's a distinction between what can feel like intimacy that's built in service of romance, right? Sometimes it can be like a very, a very powerfully gray area where someone's showing up a lot and often and they're sharing things with us. And to some people that is only done in a romantic context or in service of courtship because their friendships maybe don't operate that way. But for other people they do. Like all my friendships are very intimate and they're very personal and they fall under what some people call problematically and grossly emotional cheating. It's not emotional cheating. It's called having intimate, close relationships with people I care for. And so my friends and me have very deep, honest relationships, but that could be confusing for people that aren't familiar with that kind of closeness or they eroticize and romanticize it or they try to build upon it. And so I've learned that I have to be a little more forthcoming and making sure people know we're friends by using words like that, right? And if I'm trying to court someone, I use romantic words so they know that, right? I want everyone to always know what's in play and what's available so no one's injured. Because again, healthy sexuality or healthy psychology is not harming people directly or indirectly. So uh, you need to either try to practice showing up as a friend, shutting down anything that's being said or done that isn't friend-like because that's what you're working on. Maybe you need to call it out with this person. Look, we need to just be friends. I want more and you're not available for that. Flirting is confusing. Or it's just solo work because maybe they're on board with that already. Or if you can't do that, time to exit. But um, this person wants you in their life, so see if you can pull that up first. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore the confidence. That's our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, question nights up on our love and IG page. So weigh in on that and, um, y'all have a great evening. Take care of yourselves. Focus on pleasure, rest, and self-care. Thanks for hanging out. Have an awesome, awesome night.